Hello, hello, and welcome to the Gulf War Era Veterans No Zone, a jam-packed show about everything you need to know to live a fulfilled life after service. If you've served in Southwest Asia anytime from 1990 to present day, we're your people. We've got your back, and if it's about bettering your life, we've got it covered. Tune in every week for stories from veterans who have served with us. Learn about all the different government benefits, jobs, and business opportunities you can leverage to level up and feel more resilient and in control of your life as we discuss PTSD recovery and wellness. Here are your hosts and fellow veterans, Nikkei Roach and Jesse Almanza. Good afternoon, good evening, fellow veterans. My name is Nikkei Roach, and I am a former uh, U.S. Army medic that I served during the Desert Storm and Desert Shield. And we get together with other Gulf War era veterans or veterans in various eras to talk about things that are important to us, our family, and our community. And today is no exception. But before I go on and introduce our special honored guest today, who I am so privileged that the creator has given me an opportunity to communicate with him and we can work and, and learn some of the things that he's learned and how he can hopefully share some of his experiences and give you some of those accesses. But I gotta give you this disclaimer, myself nor any one of our hosts, our, our VA representative or authorized communicators, we're not a representative of a VSO or a law firm. You are welcome to do your own due diligence to find the information that we glean and we find over various websites, including federal websites, as well as state other agencies. You're welcome to go and ask us questions down the road, be it morning, afternoon, evening, and we'll do our darnest to take care of you. But keep in mind that we're not at this time federal agency authorized spokespersons. So with that in mind, I wanna go ahead and introduce Colonel Michael Black, retired, who served for many, many years, actually 26 years in the United States Air Force. He served as commander in multiple, multiple theaters. His last command, I believe, was the White House and actually a deputy White House communications commander serving under two different administrations, that's the right and the left, serving everything from White House communications as well as Secret Service, as well as the First Lady's communication, as well as many other folks who integrate with the White House. And after serving, and I'll get back and he'll probably tell us a little bit more, he served on various groups and various successful enterprises as the chief operating officer for, for many years, transitioned in an organization that was very small and actually making them pretty much a powerhouse in the communication and actually leadership sphere. So Mike, I wanted to welcome you to the Gulf War era, no zone. Well, Nikkei, thank you for um, that uh, fantastic intro. And it is an honor to uh, to be here and be uh, with you and, and your audience. And uh, I do want to emphasize, uh, and I do thank uh, the good Lord for having our paths cross uh, a few weeks ago there at the Air Force uh, Memorial. Uh, nothing happens by accident, uh, you know, and I was there for a... Uh, a red coat, uh, red jacket ceremony for the uh, the chief of staff of the Air Force, General C.Q. Brown, who was then uh, presented a Tuskegee Airman uh, red jacket. And uh, one of my classmates who you met, uh, actually who I met through you, you were talking to Tommy Herndon, uh, invited me. He is a member of the uh, East Coast chapter of the Tuskegee Airmen Incorporated, and he invites me to a lot of different events. Um, so there are no accidents. Uh, we were able to communicate and connect, uh, you know, 
there and uh, we obviously stayed in touch uh, just in that short period of time. I've had several conversations and an exchange of emails and texts uh, with you. We have a common interest uh, in uh, serving and supporting uh, veterans. And I think that's why we clicked uh, just in that, that short period of time. Um, we, we like and support the same uh, uh, events and people uh, kind of thing. So uh, I'm honored to, uh, to be here uh, with you today. And I'm equally honored, and, and it was. Uh, I, I'm glad you brought up Tommy because that, and it, and I think you talked about this in another talk about that one degree of separation, literally. That I met Tommy, who is also you know one of your Air Force Academy graduates, I believe. Right, eighty-five, if I'm not mistaken. Eighty-five, <laughs> best alive. <laughs> <laughs> and he flew, uh, actually, and we're going to take a little credit. The Army taught him how to fly helicopters, and he went and flew it for the Air Force. So uh, he retired, and, and he and I just, you know, we walked, and I talked with him, and he said, hey, this is Mike. And, I, you know, we've, we've maintained that, 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 that connectivity and that communication. And since you have an exquisite way of developing relationships, and I use the term exquisite way of developing communication, actually maintaining those, we're going to talk about that shortly. But before I go on, I'm going to ask you a question. This is kind of a personal, just to see, you know, where you are. What makes you happy? Um, well, really, that's a great question. I mean, uh, what makes me happy? My family uh, makes me happy. Uh, I'm married, uh, wife and uh, three kids, girl, boy, girl. So with uh, a daughter being the oldest, a son in the middle and then a young, younger daughter. Uh, both of my parents are still living. Um, Dad will be 83 uh, in December. Mom just turned 81 last month. Uh, my sisters are in the area. My extended family, uh, you know, cousins, aunts and uncles. Uh, we're very, very tight with uh, my sister-in-law, my wife's sister and her family. We do a lot of uh, vacations and uh, trips uh, together. In fact, we uh, returned last night from a trip uh, in um uh, Plano, Texas, uh, Dallas, suburb of Dallas. Um, and we've done various uh, things with them. So uh, taking care of people, um, the family, um, those are things that, that make me happy. I am a, a big uh, supporter or, or um, fan of leadership. Um, I lived in a leadership laboratory for 30 years, if you count my four years at the academy. Um, so I was taught a lot about leadership and got to practice that. Um, and then I'm a big fan of, uh, of sports, grew up playing sports, team sports. Um, and there's a leadership tie in, in team sports with being a leader in a, in a team and some of the most successful uh, franchises and organizations. You can see a lot of uh, leadership, good leadership traits in, in that. So a long answer to, uh, to your question of what makes me happy, uh, my family, um, uh, leadership, and taking care of people. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you very much for that for that answer. And, and of course, I know you, you spoke about that you are you're a sports fan. So I know that you like the Minnesota Vikings, of course, because <laughs> you're trying to make me laugh here. But go ahead, I'll let you finish that up. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I'm teasing because I'm looking in the background and I'm I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah, you got to be a fan of Minnesota Green Bay. You know, anyway, you know, maybe. Right. No, a loyal fan of the Redskins. I see that in the back. I'm just teasing. All right, you. fair enough. <laughs> you got, All that. Right. got that in there. I had to. I had to, I had to do that little jive. 
Now, one of the things that you spoke and you kept talking about was family and, and the importance of family. I think you mentioned it like three or four times and how your family, your wife, your children and interacting. And I think that's a really good segue into what I when I was looking at your bio, you were talking about, you know, the five F's or things that are important to you that you use as a commander, but also as a leader on the civilian side, and then being able to, you know, using your own personal life when you meet people, you know, throughout the community. Tell us a little bit about that, those five Fs that's helped you, you know, as now a veteran and when you're in active duty and as a civilian leader. Uh, um, great. Uh, I'm glad you, uh, you keyed in on that. Uh, that's, uh, those five Fs are what I call my command philosophy. Um, and that's something that I learned in one of my professional military education courses, uh, actually going to school with the Army, uh, you're and your brethren. So that's, a, that's another plug for the Army. They did something for Tommy and they did something for me. Um, but we had to create a command philosophy in one of the leadership courses that I was at at the Army Command and General Staff College. And I was getting ready to go into my first command. And, and so I took that opportunity to develop that command philosophy uh, to support uh, me taking command in, uh, in 2000. And I, uh, I call it the five Fs, uh, family, fitness, flying, fairness, and fun. Uh, and so it's, it's something that's fairly easy to remember. And that's also something that I learned uh, growing up and trying to remember things. If you give uh, people some acronyms or a quick uh, saying or something like that, they'll uh, remember that. And so for me, uh, the five F's is, is easy. And when I tell my folks is you got, you know, five fingers that start with the letter F and uh, that's what the five F's are. And I didn't come up with those F's by myself. I had a, a, a mentor, uh, a Brigadier General retired, uh, Meinke, uh Air Force One star who, uh, who had three F's uh, in his philosophy. And uh, I, I added uh, two more F's uh, to mine. Uh, and again, you know, family, immediate family, taking care of your family. Um, one of the things I like to say is, uh, you know, particularly from my time in the military, is you don't want to be the only person at your retirement ceremony uh, because you neglected your family, you know, throughout your career. And I've seen that happen, um, you know, unfortunately, to, uh, to folks that uh, were so uh, career driven or driven by other things that uh, they ended up neglecting their family. And, mm -hmm. and unfortunately they, they didn't have a family uh, when it was time for, for retirement. Mm -hmm. uh, your family is your extended family. Uh, as I said, uh, you know, brothers, sisters, cousins, uh, but then you also your military family. And, and you can see the parallels here uh, to military life uh, and, and private sector. I mean, your family, uh, within the private sector is, you know, your coworkers and, and teammates and, and, uh, and that kind of thing. And so taking care of your, your family uh, is, is, a, is something that is important to me. And that's the, 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 the first F. Uh, before you, before you segue, and I'm going to take a little side note, um, if you don't mind, if I do, is, is pulling in and out. In your career, you've had some pretty enviable positions. And in one of it, one of it, you, just before we started our, our broadcast, you talked about, you know, working with the Obama administration. And we're going to go back to the S, but I wanted to bring this special point because I think it might be important for other people 
with regards to we we know you know we've seen the president you know the first lady you know the children but there's another key person in there that very few people know about but they are critical to the importance of the family can you tell us a little bit more about that since we are on on the family oh, absolutely and nice nice segue there um, and so when i presented my command philosophy when i was uh, the commander of the white house communications agency um, and talked about family i one of mike's morsels kind of a little saying that i, I had i would put in um, uh, just a uh, a bullet uh, format i would say uh, malia uh, Sasha, Michelle, and Mrs. Robinson. And I would ask my new members of the agency, hey, do you know who um, Malia, Sasha, Michelle, and Miss Robinson are? You know, and, and keep in mind, this was, uh, you know, 2009, uh, right after the inauguration um, of President Obama. And so he, he had two daughters, uh, Malia and Sasha. His wife, the first lady, uh, was Michelle. But also living at the White House um, was Miss Robinson, who is um, Mrs. Obama, Michelle Obama's mother. And so it's the president's uh, mother-in-law. And she helped out quite a bit uh, with, the, with the family, did some trips um, with us, or we did trips with her, if you will. Um, and so when I asked the folks, hey, hey do you know who Malia and Sasha most said yes. Uh, then I asked about, uh, well, first I asked about Michelle, Malia, Sasha, because more people knew who the first lady was uh, than the kids, but not as many knew who Miss Robinson was. And our, our responsibility was to take care of the entire family. Uh, and so I made sure that when they came into the White House Communications Agency, they saw the parallel in the, the F, the first F in family, and what I talked about, and then we're taking care of the first family. And also don't forget that the mother-in-law, Miss Robinson, is part of the, uh, of the family, and, and we had to take care of her just like we took care of uh, the rest of the family. And, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a cliche. I mean, the president has a lot of weight on his shoulders, uh, but rest assured, uh, he would know if – the family wasn't happy or wasn't wasn't treated mm. um, right, and so that just was a nice tie into my command philosophy and an example uh, that you could give folks and something real that they could understand and and relate to, and it was applicable at that moment because that's who we were supporting. Now, I, I agree. Thank you for, for really, you know, um, highlighting that because we we sometimes we I mean we think of our spouse and our children. But we don't always think of our, you know, our grandparents, our uncles, nieces, and nephews, and even some of our brothers and sisters, you know, who are veterans, and being able to understand that, you know, your your family is a lot larger than you might have, you know, it might be your nuclear family, but you also have members who need to be taken care of e equally. Um, Absolutely. And, and as they grow a little older, sometimes they need a little bit more intensive care. So. I'm glad you did that. Now, can you continue down with you with the five F's? Thank you. I just yeah, had to so, no, absolutely. So fitness um, in the military, physical fitness goes without saying, and you can relate to this. We have fitness standards that we have to meet uh, to to maintain uh, to 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 maintain our presence in the in the military, but also that it helped us do our jobs. And some of the jobs were physically demanding, um, and that that kind of thing. But fitness goes beyond physical fitness. 
it's uh, spiritual and mental fitness that uh, need to be nurtured and, and be balanced as well. And so I would, you know, I would present that as part of my, my five F's, but I wouldn't dictate to anybody what they needed to do for their own spiritual or mental fitness. I, I considered that a personal choice. But what I said was, if your spiritual and mental fitness is out of balance, then you wouldn't be doing yourself or our unit or your teammates or your family any good. Um, and so I encourage people to be mindful of their spiritual and mental fitness and what was necessary to, to keep that in balance. I also challenge folks, you know, as me as the commander, if they saw that mine or felt that my spiritual and mental fitness was out of balance, that they should say something to me. Mm. Now, sometimes people would, you know, would be, you know, a little intimidated to say, hey, I'm not going to go tell the commander that, uh, you know, his spiritual and mental fitness is out of balance. But I was sincere uh, about that. And I lived and breathed that. And I think most people uh, believe that and uh, kind of embraced uh, that. Uh, and so you have to, to nurture your spiritual and mental fitness. And I, I still do that today, um, every day for almost the entire pandemic here. So we're coming up on 500 plus days of, um, <clears throat> I get up in the morning, uh, and do yoga. Um, and it's a spiritual based, uh, yoga Christ foods now taught by uh, a fraternity brother of mine, uh, Dr. Stephen Redmond, who's a certified, uh, yoga instructor. Uh, but I do that every single morning for about 40 minutes um, to continue to nurture my spiritual and uh, mental fitness. Mm. Uh, and so it applies uh, not only in the military, but I've been retired 10 years now. And so I'm still nurturing my spiritual and, and, and mental fitness. Um, and again, it's a, it's a personal choice. People can meditate. Uh, they can pray. Um do the yoga and many, many other things uh, to nurture your, your spiritual and, and mental fitness. So that's family fitness. Flying, uh, flying is the, you know, at the time I came in the service, it was the primary mission of the Air Force. Everything we did supported uh, flying. Of course, now we have our own space force and, 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 and cyber and, and, and all those things are, are important. But I always told folks, what is the primary mission of the, of the Air Force? And so what did we do uh, to support the primary mission as communicators in my, in my case? Uh, but I had more than communicators in my units. And so I, I'd ask the low deficient. Um, I'd ask the personnel. I'd ask the, um, uh, the carpenter or the engineer uh, or medics. Uh, you know, what is your role in supporting the primary mission of the, of the Air Force? And it happened to be flying. Um, and so that's, that was another, another F. And again, I just apply that in the private sector uh, if my mission is something other than flying, I still say, if you can see the trend, uh, the correlation, the primary mission of your organization in the Air Force, it happened to be flying and it worked well with my, uh, my, my 5S. Uh, fairness. Oh, did you have a question? No, I have a question. Because oftentimes, and, and these are the veterans who, who and, and you did it brilliantly when you did your talk. Um, last week, I believe it was about helping veterans transition out of active duty, you know, into the civilian sector, because, you know, for some, it can be pretty, pretty, pretty scary. And, you yes, know, daunting. yeah, I mean, and not only, you know, if you've worked in, in, in the, um, 
you know, in the military, you know, there's a specific way of doing things. You know, you show up for your for your duty. You have commanders. You have subordinates. You have all these things that that it sounds like it's taking care, but it's already figured out. But now you have to transition back into civilian world and say you're a veteran and you have to work with the Department of Veterans Affairs and you don't know, you have no idea what to do. So um, I, I like the way that you've given, you know, the, the, the component about, you know, having that fitness to be able and, you know, mental and spiritual to be able to pretty much transition and get your mind, you know, set to actually take on a lot of these roles that formerly they were handled by a commander or, you know, a, a senior non-commissioned or a civilian. It's like, wow. So I'm All glad right. you highlighted that. No, absolutely. I, I think it's just, uh, you know, it, it's an important part of, uh, you know, readiness. Um, and, you know, that's a terminology that we are very familiar with in, in the military is, uh, you know, being ready and, operational readiness, but the, the same thing applies in the, in the private sector to, you know, to perform your best, um, you have to be, you know, balanced and fit, uh, both uh, physically, spiritually, and, and mentally, you won't perform at your best if those are, are out of balance. And again, you won't be doing yourself any good, uh, or your team any good. And, they, and then I, I, I want to put stop, you know, as a leader, um, you know, you sometimes may have blinders on and on your own fitness. And that's why I personally ask folks, hey, if you think my spiritual or mental fitness is out of balance, I want you to say something to me um, because I may be focused on, on something else. And, you know, I'm a human being just like you. Um, and so that's that, I think that that went over well with uh, with with my unit when I you know was sincere about that with the, the folks that I worked with. Uh, fairness as a leader, um, it's important to be fair, but it's equally important to be perceived as being fair. And so you have to be fair as a, as a leader in the military, you say that affects good order and discipline. Same thing applies in the private sector. If you're not fair uh, to individuals, people will be able to see that and read that and, and they won't be happy if you're not a fair leader. But as a leader, you also need to be concerned about the perception and the perception of being fair. Perceptions are reality, and you have to deal with that. And so you could intend uh, to, to mean something or to say something with your words, but if it's received uh, different than your intention, then you still have a problem, in my opinion, as a, as a leader. And, and that goes a, a long way with, the, with fairness. If you're not fair or not perceived as being fair, um, that can be a problem uh, with your with your organization. And so you have to, to gauge uh, those perceptions. You have to have feelers out there, sensing sessions, if you will. And, uh, you know, people that you can can talk to who are going to be real and tell you, you know, uh, tell you what they really see and not tell you what you want to hear as a, as a leader. And that goes along with building that trust uh, with folks. And then finally, the, uh, the last step is fun. Um, it's not all work and no play, and you've got to incorporate fun into your activities. Uh, and so for me, fun revolved around sports, uh, both playing and, and watching sports. And so you can ask anybody in the units that I was with um, that I participated in, in intramurals, um, whether it was uh, softball or flag football, basketball, uh, I happened to grew up, uh, grew up playing a lot of baseball. Uh, and football. And so um, 
I, I enjoyed that. I was considered a good athlete and, um, and I was very competitive uh, in, in the things that I did. And so in the intramural sports and then also on the command uh, sports, I played um, varsity uh, softball or with the, with the base team at almost every base that I was at for, uh, for my 26 years uh, in the service. And so very competitive. Um, and, you know, that also went over well in, in um, uh, I guess, getting support uh, from the, from the folks when they saw their leader, their commander out there, uh, with them and, and participating, uh, that helped, you know, uh, garner the troops to, uh, to, to, to support you. And, and I was one of those people, uh, you know, this is kind of my own little words. I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want the coach to play me because I was the commander. I wanted the coach to play me because I was good and I deserved to, you know, to play. Uh, and so I, uh, you know, I was, I got out there and played and, you know, one, one prime example is when I was in command at Langley Air Force Base, uh, playing with our flag football team, I brought my wing commander. So that's my boss's boss, uh, to the base championship football game, encouraged him to come watch our team play, um, for the championship. And he came and he was on the sidelines and, and I played in that, in that, uh, in that game and, and he could see how competitive I was. He could see how the troops rallied around. Uh, some might say too competitive uh, at times. I mean, I really I knew, I knew how to lose, but I didn't like it. And uh, um, and I, you know, in all sincerity, I mean, it's 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 not a win at all costs. But uh, we we were competitive, and and um, and we ended up winning that championship. And my my wing commander came to that, and you know, and acknowledged that, and. Uh, um, you know, and made comments about that down the road about my leadership uh, in leading, you know, our team out there and participating with that. And so I was having fun, but it also had an impact on, you know, really how my wing commander, you know, thought of me, the whole person concept. And, and I'm rest assured that it was, it helped in, um, in his evaluation, you know, of me as a leader. I, and, and watching you in a, in a recreational environment, I guess, showed him, you know, that you could have fun. But at the same time, you know, sometime I, I and I can't remember where it came from. Uh, I think it might have been something is that you don't really understand somebody until you fight them. Um, in your case, you don't really understand somebody unless you're a competitor with them. And you're like, oh, I understand their style because, you know, they play. They have fun the same way they lead. So it's, right. you know, it's growing together, but very competitive. Don't like to lose but understand that loss is part of the growth process at the same time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's, that's very important. And that's a foot stomper, if, uh, if you will, you know, back in, in grade school and middle school and high school, when the teacher foot stomped something, it was on the test and uh, you needed to learn that. And so it is important to, uh, you know, to learn uh, and to be gracious in, in, uh, you know, in defeat or in a, in a, in a loss. But by the same token, if you're if you're competitive and playing to win, uh, you practice, you execute, so that when it comes time to perform, that you are, are ready to perform at, at peak. And it's the same thing not only in sports; it's the, it's the same thing in in life, in work, and what you do. That's why we practice things over and over again. So when it comes time to to execute, we are we are ready. And that's something that. You know, has been a value to me both in the the military and the private and the private sector. Oh wow! 
this has been a a, a very I, I I hate to even say it. it's like just an awesome you know interview because you're you're going over leadership but um and talking about the how, what makes you what makes you tick what's fun you know your family your your spiritual component your mental state and everything like that now I wanted to shift gears a little bit now because we've talked primarily about your military experience and I wanted to kind of what was the first thing that shocked you. And, and we're going to go into the to being a veteran now as far as, you know, working with the Department of Veterans Affairs. No, I'm not singling out the Department of Veterans Affairs. It's just that it's a natural transition if you are, you know, as you move out of the military for education or for home loans or for, you know, even disability. What was the thing that shocked you when you just said, OK, I'm moving from the Department of Defense and I'm moving into the Department of Veterans Affairs? What was the thing like? Wow, I didn't know that one. Well, I will. Uh, I'll make it even a little bit broader than that, and then we'll focus on the on the on the VA. So when I when I transitioned from the military to the private sector, uh, one of the things that uh, that I had to come to grips with, if you will, is uh, the bottom line. And you know, sometimes people say, you know, the bottom line is you know is money, is profit, uh, and revenue. Um, and and so transitioning from um, Transitioning from the military uh, to the private sector and understanding what the um, the role of a you know of a business is um, and the bottom line. I remember the first time I made a decision, a significant decision in, in my first job in the private sector. My CEO came to me and and basically chewed me out and said, you know, what about you know the the revenue or the profit and and he wasn't that nice. Uh, he didn't say it like that. You put a little modifier on it that we won't go through uh, in the, in this session. But uh, it, it was uh, you know it was a wake up call to understand what you know what's important uh, and the difference. And uh, and so from that time on, when I made decisions, uh, I made sure I understood the impact on the business and uh, and and the, and the company. And so that was something that. Uh, you know, that, that shocked me. Um, you know, as far as, uh, you know, veterans, um, I mean, there's, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I would say th this really shocked me, but one of the things that I, uh, you know, that I really, you know, became even more uh, aware of is, uh, you know, working for three different service disabled veteran owned companies. Um, and then, so we did a lot of things with the, with the department of veterans affairs and, and uh, and so it, it became even more you know of a passion for me uh, to to take care of, of veterans. Um, I always said take care of people. You know that people are the most valuable asset. Um, you know in an organization, the most valuable part of an organization. But uh, the um, taking care of veterans uh, became something uh, that was important to me. Um, not only because I'm a, I'm a veteran, but, but it's, it goes with the mantra of taking care of the people. And so I try to be around organizations, uh, that, uh, that support veterans and, and, uh, you know, and I'm do, I do government contracting today. And one of the things that, uh, I've picked up along the way, this is not something that I, I made up, but, uh, I've heard before, but I say it all the time now is, uh, I'd love to, to work and support the VA, uh, Department of Veterans Affairs, because 
if you're a service disabled veteran owned company or if you're a service disabled vet, the VA celebrates veterans and doesn't tolerate them as maybe another organization. So I always like to say, of course, we want to support the, the VA. We want to go where we're celebrated and not tolerated. Um, and, and so I would steer towards contracts that, uh, that supported the, 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 the VA. I just have a passion, you know, for that, having been to, um, VA hospitals, clinics, uh, seeing veterans, uh, even when I got ready to, uh, to retire and go get my, uh, physical, um, I was at Walter Reed once, um, the, the big hospital here in the Washington DC area. And, um, I was waiting for my appointment and, um, and I looked around and there was probably, I don't know, 12 veterans, um, from various, you know, ages, young to, to older, but many of them, um, didn't have a limb, uh, or, you know, we're, we're missing, you know, a limb or two. Um, and I was, I was just looking, you know, not trying not to stare, but, uh, that really, you know, hit home for me as a, as a veteran to see that. Um, and, you know, obviously there's others that gave their all, but these were veterans that were, were still living that, uh, you know, were receiving care. And, and I would make the assumption that because they were there at the Walter Reed, many of them were active duty and still veterans or were, uh, you know, were medically retired, but, um, uh, it probably was a service-connected um, disability or, or or injury, and that that kind of thing. And so uh, that's where I I really wanted to continue to support uh, veterans. And I think again, that's probably another uh, tie-in between uh, you know you and I, and and why we connected uh, so quickly uh, when I when I heard you know what you do and what your passion is. I, and, and, and I'm glad we did because as a, as a veteran, but also as a business owner myself, I always look for ways to connect with, with, with solutions and try to find a, a connection. And, a, and, and it was interesting because um, as a communication professional yourself, you know, both, you know, as a military career, but also as a civilian, but also as a, as a great communicator. And I remember... Um, just recently, one of my friends, you know, who he and I served together, Dwight, who was in Plano, Texas, got go figure. He's an engineer who was who was while he was still on active duty, he went and got an engineer degree while he was still in San Antonio. So it was interesting. And then, of course, he stayed in Texas because he must have really liked Texas. But I, I noticed how quickly in the time that he said his name and where he was, how fast you built a bridge to him to find a solution or connection point. It was like, wow, he was actually listening to him. It wasn't I was listening because I want to see what can I get out of him or, you know, what's in it for me. It was like, I'm going to build a bridge to him. And it was like, while you were still talking, you you found him on LinkedIn, you found out where he was and you, and you built a bridge and then started forming a dialogue, I suspect. Uh, and that's kind of how we met. T tell us how did you develop that skill? Because that is a skill set that if you're in the, in the homes talking to your missus or your children, your grandkids, but also as a professional, how to build your network and, and looking at how you build your network, you have a pretty large network and, and you could command call 
leaders of states, leaders of military branch, both active and retired, you know, childhood friends, classmates from your from your from the uh, Air Force Academy, but schoolmates and, and just all over the place. How do you cultivate that to be so effective and remove yourself from the situation and thinking, what can I get out of this? Right. Well, um, <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, part of that is, is my DNA, if you will. And I, I use that term loosely. Um, you know, obviously there's a scientific, uh, uh, definition of, of DNA, but, but who I am and how I'm built and, and all that. So I'm a, I'm a military brat. My father was in the service, uh, and I was born in Tuskegee, Alabama. My parents are from a small town. So you're a legitimate Tuskegee Airman. Well, you know, by yeah, uh, by definition, by by literal definition, uh, yes, uh, you know, Airman with a capital A for the uh, for the Air Force, and I was born in, in Tuskegee. Um, and incidentally, my dad was in ROTC, uh, Army ROTC, but 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 some of his instructors uh, were, um, you know, uh, documented original Tuskegee Airmen. At least one of them was a documented original Tuskegee Airman. Uh, but where I was going with that was, uh, you know, I lived all around, uh, moved around with my dad and mom and sisters. Um, and so I got to meet a lot of people over, over the years, you know, many different schools, uh, all the way up uh, to eighth, eighth grade. I went to a lot of different schools. Uh, and so I was forced, if you will, to, uh, you know, to, to hone in on my, uh, my ability to meet folks and, and, and interact with, with new folks. Uh, and, and then, you know, you fast forward to my time in the military and moving all around. And the point I'm making is I've met a lot of people in my, in my life. Uh, and then I, I recognize the value of relationships, uh, in, in getting a job done and shortening the learning curve, uh, and then nurturing those relationships is, is important. Uh, and it's just a, a trait uh, that I've acquired and I've honed uh, over over the years, and I'm very passionate about about networking and uh, and relationships. And I see the value of of relationships because you can you can get access, you can you can get uh, you can get synergy um, by having um, relationships with uh, you know with with the right folks and teammates. Uh, you know you're. The, the sum of the uh, of the total, and I'm not quite saying this right, but you know the, the sum of the total is greater than the, the than the individual, and so you may be qualified to do um, more things by by having these uh, these relationships. And so, um, and then you you talked about well, you know, kind of what's in it for me, uh, you know, kind of thing. Um, I try not to have that. Uh, you know, that be the, uh, the drive for the, for the relationship. Uh, I'm not here to preach to you, but I, I firmly believe, uh, if you do right, um, and do the right thing that and you'll end up being blessed, uh, even greater than, you know, the value of, of you helping somebody or, or blessing, blessing somebody. And so I, I, I try not to go at, uh, relationships by, uh, you know, what's in it, what's in it for me. Um, I, I have tons of examples of you know how I've been blessed uh, over the years by maintaining uh, those relationships and and uh, you know getting to meet uh, some some very intriguing and, and famous people uh, through my relationships and being able to build a business 
through relationships, being able to, um, you know, to just shorten the learning curve and, and, and do things. I've talked about coach, mentor, and sponsor in the past, um, and coach, uh, through relationships, I've had coaches, people that coach me are coach people, mentors. I mentor folks. I'm part of a mentoring organization. People have mentored me and I've uh, been able to benefit from the value of mentorship. And then finally sponsorship. And it's, this all ties into the networking and the relationships. A sponsor gives you access and a sponsor has given me access to the opportunity to uh, be the commander of the White House Communications Agency. And you know, there's obviously different levels of sponsors, but uh, but that that's important, uh, you know, in that. And so I, I nurture that relationship, just like I talked about nurturing that spiritual and mental uh, fitness. And and so you have to check in from time to time and 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 have conversations. Um, and then over the, the years, if you continue to nurture those relationships, that you know, even if there has been a gap in the time that you've seen or talked to somebody, if you built that relationship over the years, it'll be just like coming back to you know yesterday, if you if you will, uh, because you 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 know, built that relationship with the with folks. So networking is a, is important. Um, I've said uh, you know use your network uh, to improve your net worth. Um, that's not my my uh, quote, but I love that, uh, that, uh, that you can do that, um, with your, with your network. Absolutely. I'm glad you, you, you went on that. Um, speaking of, cause you talked about sponsorships and every, and, and being able to be as you were sponsored to the air force Academy, you know, you've had sponsors to give you access to people that you otherwise might have a little challenge getting, you know, into the doors of, you know, in not only on the DOD side, but also, you know, working with contractors and being able to, to be an effective communicator, including, you know, I think it was the you were inducted into the White House Communication Hall of Fame, um, which I suspect is a coveted title. But speaking of sponsorship, as we as we close out our segment today and, and hopefully we'll get you back, you know, to, to talk about some other stuff. But I wanted to find out. How can people, you know, work with you or, or, or communicate with you or, or even plug into some of the things that you're you're sharing with others, you know, be there access to, you know, government, you know, organizations or civilian organizations or being able to work, you know, in in and around what it is you do. How do they how do they find you? I mean, other than LinkedIn, I mean, that's that's an easy. Right. Thing. But say somebody is not on LinkedIn, which many of our veterans we're, we're finding are not on, you know, because, you know, if we think about the golf era, though many of us are on communications and not everybody communicates the same way. And right. so people, how, how would somebody at least start to start the learning process of, you know, who Mike Black is and how he may, you know, be a sponsor to open doors for other people? Well, uh, so a, a couple of things on that. Um, I um, and I think you touched on this earlier in our in our discussion, but let me amplify this about uh, the the degrees of separation. Um, you know, today, um, you know, there's a, a there's a movie called uh, Six Degrees of Separation. There's other readings on the degrees of separation, but in today's world. And I'll talk specifically for me, but I, I do believe this uh, almost categorically um, that there's there's a lot less than six degrees of separation between people. And and for me, what I like to say uh, is a little bit of a cliche. Some people may say it's a little braggadocious, but it's just who I am. I always tell people there's one degree of separation between me and anybody you want to meet. 
And so sometimes, you know, when you make a bold statement like that, people will challenge you. (laughs) I'm only laughing because that literally happened to you and I. I met you through Tommy, but when we looked at each other on LinkedIn, you know, come, come to find out your connection was a connection of mine. And we had never, you know, our, our paths did not cross when we were on active duty. And the other person was never on active duty. And so, you know, when I look at Victor, you know, Havoc, that's that's what I call him, but yeah. never mind that. I looked on and I and I called Victor and I said, Victor, you know Mike. He said, Yeah, Mike's good people, you know, he's done this. And he I'm like, oh my God, that is totally true. It is one person, and it was actually in this case, two people. Right. Yeah, and so um, you know, um, and so I, I believe that you know, within your your audience out there, there are there are probably people um, that know members of your audience or people that get you know receive your services um, that I am connected to, and so that's that's one way. Um, I mentioned social media a little bit, uh, uh, both on uh, Instagram. Uh, Twitter and, and Clubhouse. Uh, I'm, I'm known as Check the Mic, and that's spelled C H E Q U E, the mic, T H E M I K E, short for Michael. Uh, but if you do a, a search on those platforms of Check the Mic, uh, you'll be able to find uh, find me, uh, connect with me, and um, and that that actually could be a whole nother story about uh, check the mic. You can see the podium uh, behind me, behind my head. That's a miniature presidential podium, and we'd always have to check the microphone um, before the president got up to speak to make sure that the, the microphone was on when it was supposed to be on and off when it was supposed to be off. And so I kind of adapted that as uh, you know my um, <clears throat> my handle, if you will, and uh, and so. I spelled it a unique way, um, like the British spell check. Um, it's C H E Q U E, and then Mike. Uh, the microphone is is M I C, but M I K E is short for for Mike. And so, I guess words that sound the same but are spelled different are called homonyms. I think. I, I hopefully my English. Uh, early English teacher. We remember those from grammar school, school right? <laughs> school. But, uh, but yeah, so check the mic is a, you know, is a, is a way to, uh, you know, to, to find me. Um, and then I'm, you know, I'm out and about uh, in the, in the DC area. I'm a part of mentoring organizations. Um, and then, you know, one or two degrees of separation, um, you know, that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm connected to, to a lot of people and, and I'd love to, uh, to meet people who want to, you know, have, share similar philosophies or have have needs, and, and and again, I continue to learn from everybody that I meet. And the neat thing about, uh, you know, not having to carry a, a big toolbox, if you will, and put all this stuff and all these things that you learn from folks, if you have a virtual toolbox, you can put a whole bunch of stuff in there and. It's not going to get that heavy, other than you know your your brain trying to remember everything. But but you're not picking up something and and you know, putting a bunch of tools in there, and so you can put a lot of stuff in your virtual toolbox. And then with today's technology, uh, you know you can pick up your phone, you know, and and tell Siri, you know, and dictate this, uh, you know, smart technology. Um, but and getting back to what you really asked about is, uh, you know, is the degrees of separations, uh, small degrees of separation. 
um, how we can connect. I'm on Facebook. Um, you know, on Facebook, I have something called Current Situation. Um, I think you've been a part of my current situation be, before. Uh, that's just, hey, this is what's happening now. I try to put a, a post out there, and it, it, it's become a little fun. Now people will say, hey, can I be a part of your current situation? Or even, you know, people that uh, that are senior to me um, have asked, you know, to be in the in the current situation. So that that's kind of kind of fun as well. Uh, wow. Well, thank you very much for, for being here, from for, for sharing, for taking time out of, uh, it sounds like still a busy, busy schedule, you know, with your with your wife and your children and all the other things that you have to, you know, that there are a joy and a thrill to do, you know, not, you know, not only, you know, serving our country and, and continue to serve our country in various roles, you know, as mentor, but also in, in, as a Tuskegee Airman and, you know, some of the other things that you do that kind of that keeps you going, it keeps your engine going. So I really appreciate it. Hopefully we can get you back because there are so many different avenues that, uh, that we can go in. And one of the things I would love to talk about is business and business creation and how how veterans can tap into the various resources that are not necessarily readily available to the average citizen. And if you know where to look, and you know who to communicate with, then it'll probably be you know less you know treacherous and and probably get there more efficiently. So thank you very much, Mike, for being here. Oh, my pleasure, and thank you for for having me, NK, and, and thank you for what you're doing um, for, for for veterans and and what you have a passion for. And and I I saw that right away when we met. And again, I think that's another reason that we uh, that we clicked and, and connected. But uh, when people have a passion for for something that they uh, that they're doing, you can see that they're excited about it, um, and it's something that they want to do, and it's infectious. Uh, and and so um, you know, thank you for for all that you uh, that you do, um, you know, with veterans. And I saw your uh, your post today or yesterday that uh, tickled me with the uh, the foot massage. Uh. <laughs> I, I, I have I have to you know make the make the joke you know sometimes uh, my wife gets on me but I have to do that because you know there are things that you can that can make you upset there there are some things that make you like hmm but if you can find joy in, in some of the, the in, in some things and give people a reason to chuckle or laugh then you know laughter is medicine and it doesn't mean that the hurt is gone it just means for the moment it's it's put aside and there's some joy to fill that space no absolutely no it's it's important and uh you know humor is uh is healthy um and it's again it's part of taking care of your um you know yourself and taking care of individuals and um it's part of that spiritual and mental uh fitness and and you um what i wanted to really say about that is you have some some really good content you know out there and i enjoy um you know coming across your content uh, in the different forums. So, you know, thank, thank you for what, what you do. Thank you very much. Well, I want to thank you again, Mike. And I want to thank you fellow veterans and family members for being here for another episode of the No Zone, where we literally dig into, you know, who, who who's doing things that are awesome and, and the questions that are difficult questions. Sometimes, you know, we get very technical. Sometimes we get very passionate, but it will not be time well it will not be time wasted. So thank you very much for being here, for spending the last few minutes with us. And we'll see you on another episode of The No Zone. See you next time. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us this week. 
Tune in every week to connect with us and the rest of our veteran brothers and sisters. Until our next episode, visit our website, gulfwarveteranscoffee.com to find out about upcoming events near you and other ways we can support you. Also, if this episode has helped you get closer to a happier life, please make sure to leave a rating, subscribe to our show, and send it over to just one person you've served with who may need to hear it. Remember, we are here for us. Talk soon.